But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 112 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Tom Kennett and Alex Jones. Very hot day here. Alex has got a body warmer on, so I don't know if he's uh, doing a weight cut or whatever it is. It's genuinely not that warm. I thought you might have been uh, boiling over with uh, some of the Mo Farah stuff the last uh, couple of days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Getting to pay his hotel bill. Anyway, I was looking for some hypotheticals for you. Couldn't find too many. I actually... Uh, have saw one on my way home so away from the notes here this is one that's going to uh, test you if you could only have one for the rest of your life friendship or relationship which one do you, which one do you keep relationship oh wow wow oh god wow that hurts <laughs> almost, I almost didn't want to ask. <laughs> and the fact that he said it so quickly actually makes it worse. Uh, maybe, maybe it's you know, it's just may- how do you know? I'm just not extremely high maintenance, and you know, I'm probably too much. You're probably too much for just a friend to handle. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm doing you a favour. <laughs> I'll have to get someone else for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, to mix it up, then. So, well, not too much of a mix up. We're back to. I can't believe that was on TV. With somewhat of a, a cheap way around it here, if I do say so myself. What I've done is I've found some of the most ridiculous film plots that actually went to production and films were created with. <laughs> yeah. And if I give you the film year, if I give you the basic plot, and at the end I'll ask you both, if you had an unlimited budget, you could get any actors you wanted, which one you would take to market now... You have to let me know which one you take. Alright, so to start off with, um, the one I actually have alarmingly the most info for. Howard the Duck, 1986, this one was made. And it's about a humanoid duck alien that gets sent to Earth. It was originally a Marvel comic that was kind of spun away from this. Um, It plays rock music, it has sex with a human woman, and um, kind of just for kicks saves the world while it's here. Um, George Lucas produced it, and... um, so apparently the thing that makes this so, so bad is that Howard is that is very clearly just a dwarf in a suit. <laughs> and it says it's like it's so much of an embarrassing costume that they don't know how they ever let this like be released. Um, they said the thing that makes that even more alarming then is um, the graphic sex scene where he's dressed up as a duck getting it on with, they say, cutie Lee Thompson. Don't know what she looks like. Must have been a pinup at the time. Um, they said this makes it unacceptable for even the bestiality fiends. <laughs> he does make an appearance in the Guardians of the Galaxy films, Donald. Uh, he does make an appearance. Not this, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next one then. And this one is called Joe's Apartment. 
from 1996, and it says, uh, These aren't your typical New York City cockroaches. They're obnoxious little insects who sing, dance, crack jokes, and cockblock poor Joe. <laughs> this started as like an MTV short skit, and someone's bright idea then was to make it a full feature-length movie. Poor Joe, how do they how do they cop block him? Well, I, just, I just have to think. I'm actually wanting to just, get some of these films now. I've seen just by making an appearance. I guess a cockroach can be a bit of a cop, <laughs> cop block. Once you see a cockroach, I suppose you're probably not in the mood much longer. Well, some of these, when I say they get worse, so the next one called Return to Me, and this one is a 2000 film. So we're getting a bit closer to home now, and. Uh, the synopsis, a grieving widower falls in love with a waitress who just so happens to have received the man's dead wife's heart in a transplant. <laughs> what? I, I, it's just, it's one of those films where you can see where they're trying to, they're trying to make it really, really nice, really, you know, but it's just... Just no. Why? Why would you do that? It's just like I don't know. It's hard to describe. Seems strangely reminiscent of the um, the Friends thing, where within the show where Joe is obviously acting on, he manages to come back from the dead because the guy who died that he's playing does a brain transplant. <laughs> and they put him in. now the whole premise of that obviously being how ridiculous it is that can happen. What we've got here <laughs> is not far off that ridiculous. Well, it's like that film. Um, I haven't seen it, but the trailer tells you enough of what the plot's about. It's like, I think it's called like the Lucky One. I think it's Zac Efron, and it's basically the guy, one of the guy in the forces, he stumbles across a photo of somebody else's widow eventually, and then goes and stalks her, and eventually probably ends up with her. And it's kind of like that's not that's not good. <laughs> this is a film I'm thinking of. It was you think it was, there was one called The Guest. Which was a similar kind of premise, and it's one of the worst films I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that. Yeah, I think it I turned know. into a, a murdering robot at the end of it. Which, oh, spoiler so, alert! Well, this next one, it's, actually, all, it's all going towards his Bundy appearance, I guess. <laughs> it all links in. Well, this next one then is perhaps the one for me, which is so strange that I almost want to see it, but at the same time, I'll, well, I'll let you know now. So it's called Untamed Heart, 1993. Shy man saves outgoing woman from being raped. Man and woman fall in love. Man also has baboon's heart, or so he says. Either way, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so what were you saying, like, also he says? So is it, are, they, are they leaving you on like, hooks till you watch the film? Yeah, I don't know. I actually I didn't want to look too deep in for the purpose of this. I'd rather like, not know. <laughs> so aside from remakes and films like with plots like this, is this the limitation of Hollywood right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, you think now we complain all we're getting is remakes. This is why. They see what else happens. Okay, next up. So 1993, this seems like a year. So Boxing Helena, this one was called. An obsessive surgeon kidnaps a beautiful female car crash victim, amputates all of her limbs and makes her fall in love with him. The genre is down as romance first, then horror. <laughs> is this just like the rom-com version of Human Centipede? We're going to get to that, actually. <laughs> Makes her fall in love with him, by account of the fact she can't go anywhere, presumably. 
you know, I saw one still from it, and it's just like a woman in a box, and the bloke just kind of sat down, kneeling with his arms, <laughs> like praying in front of it. For God's sake. <laughs> I don't even want to think about these kind of things. All right, 1988 then, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Humanoid amphibians capture sexy, fertile women in hopes of reproducing in an infertile world. Massively symbolic, that. <laughs> deep, deep. Look, it's got to be done. <laughs> They're just thinking about reproduction. Well, the next one then, 2010, Human Centipede. I think we all know the premise. Um, yeah. For the purposes of my notes, I've just said a pair of uh, vacating co-eds unwillingly become two-thirds of a mad German doctor's three-person experiment. Mm-hmm. Now, my point I have about this is... I, I You've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Have you seen it, Alex? Yeah, yeah I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so... What I was going to say with this, whenever you mention it to someone kind of in like a passing combo, people always like shockingly say, oh, that's disgusting. As if like it's like a surprising thing. Like you go in not knowing that it's going to be horrific. <laughs> but I remember when you speak to some people, within the first like 20 minutes, people are almost like a bit disappointed. Like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And then obviously it gets worse. And then the sequel's even worse. The sequel is a- about... A- a guy who was inspired by watching yeah. the original Human Centipede. And there is a third one as well, I'm yeah. pretty sure. The se- the second one was done for me when a bloke has a tug with sandpaper. <laughs> and obviously, for those that do know, you know it gets a lot worse. For those that don't know, we'll leave it to you to watch it. Because uh, it's really it's, it's an interesting cinematic experience. Wasn't it banned in Europe or banned in the UK? Yeah, the thing the question with this is usually I feel like saying it's banned makes more people want to watch it. So you should Definitely. like aspire to get your film banned. Exactly. It's like the Serbian film, isn't it? Because it's banned in some countries. There's a sort of a notoriety about it. But yeah, that's what made The Exorcist in Clockwork Orange so legendary is that mm. they were for one period of time banned. Mm. Did you ever watch a Serbian film? No. All right. Well, I, I have and. I actually got you it from. You invited me round to watch yeah. it, and I, I think I was, I think I was otherwise engaged that night. <laughs> I got it from. Um, I used to have like, kind of the transition between streaming services and uh, blockbusters, where you would have a rental list, and they would just post you the DVD. You'd post it back, and they'd send you another one. So Amazon actually had it stocked on there. I didn't take long to get it. I had it low down on my priority list, and it came straight out. So I <laughs> don't think there was a big queue to have it. But that was another one where. After a while, I was like, oh, I don't really see what kind of the fuss is about here. And then it gets a lot worse. Again, though, you went in with your eyes wide open. You weren't going in claiming, look, oh, I didn't know it was going to be shocking. You knew what you were getting into. No, I'd almost have been disappointed if I didn't feel yeah. as horrific as I did after. I went into my brothers and they kind of said, oh, we're watching. No, no, I'll send this back. No one else needs to see this. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken one for the team. All right, next one up, Soul Man, 1986. The only way a spoiled white kid can get into Harvard is if he paints his skin black and poses as a brother, which unfortunately he does. Egregious racial, racial humour ensues. Oh I'm going to say this isn't the one that either of you take to publication now, because it, although it might be banned, it still probably won't get you much money. Sounds like a, an Antonio kind of film. Um, Surf Ninjas, nineteen ninety three again. It's a fucking yeah. wild year. <laughs> when they're not high in ten on some gnarly waves, <laughs> two teenage brothers from Los Angeles defend an ancient kingdom against an evil ruler named Colonel Chi. This earned two sequels. 
I wouldn't rule that out being made now. I wouldn't. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, actually. So, originally, the premise I was going to go down for here was films that were nearly made but weren't. Do, do, do you know what that film is? It's basically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles without them being turtles. That's what it sounds like. And on water. Yeah. Well, they, 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 their phrases like Calabunga yeah. Dude and all that sort of stuff. That's basically what it is. So, so the, the worst film I saw that was nearly made just by the fact that you really can't imagine this was uh, a blockbuster Genghis Khan film where Steven Seagal was going to play Genghis Khan despite the fact he's like purely white. <laughs> He tried to cast an all-white kind of army for himself until he was told that's not really going to work. And then they said it also wouldn't really work with him being a white male playing Genghis Khan and then having everyone else in the army as they should be. Um, and this was really going to go all the way. They had like directors, they had the casting and all this sorted. And uh, it was being financed by mobsters who essentially said that so this was Steven Seagal's like dream movie. This was like the one for him, and they essentially said to him, "Look, you've got to make another couple for us until we will put the money up for this." The films that he then did didn't go too well. They said, "Well, we're not going to risk any more money. We've seen what happens with this," and that was the end of it. Thank God. Yeah. Um, the next one up then was um. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, 1986, another one which uh, went to broadcast. And uh, it's just kind of, as, as the film says, um, tomatoes suddenly become sentient beings whose only interest is to kill humans. I'm wondering, in 1986, you know your, your effects aren't quite as good as what they're going to be in the future. And this is the one that you take to film. Like, this is your ambition on screen. Of all fruit and veg, why tomatoes? Why were they... Because nobody knows if they're a fruit or a veg. Oh, so this is the mystery. It's mysterious. Deep-seated. <laughs> um, it's the internal conflict that we have as human beings. <laughs> another, <laughs> another one here that I've actually seen, it may have been with Sean. I know there was a there was a phase where we used to look for the like worst like teen comedies on Netflix and watch them. And so I've, I, I'm not sure if I saw this one with him or on my own. So there's one called Chick Magnet from 2011. Five friends are given a magic shirt by a mysterious homeless man that makes them irresistible to all women while wearing it. They then start to have arguments as to uh, who's going to have it. They write a timetable out. They then say it's not as fun when every woman is obsessed with them when they have the shirt on. <laughs> and it actually turns into quite like an emotional thing with the shirt coming between them as friends. And I bet they end up burning the shirt, don't they, or something like that. One of them tries to keep it, and I think they're going to kind of get rid of the friend out of their way, kind of leave him to it, say, look, we don't want it. And then I think the homeless man takes it back in the end. Like, it wasn't that memorable, but I do remember the, just the concept of it. Look at that. They chose friendship over relationship. Yeah. Someone could learn from that. It's around the time there was a film called Four of them did. where <laughs> yeah, they all made a pact to find each other's mums and they didn't at the time see how this was going to go into come between them as friends the one uh, makes them pregnant and it goes from there didn't Justin Timberlake sing about that he did well, I think that was past uh, around 2010 so maybe that was the inspiration um, final one then uh, Teeth 2007 oh, I've not seen this but know the concept uh, following a sexual assault a woman grows teeth inside of her that will punish all men that she later hooks up with 
So I don't know how I haven't seen this one in terms yeah. of seeing some of the others, but I'm quite grateful I haven't because I know I've seen people squirm when they mention it. I think plenty of people actually did believe a vagina would have teeth in it. <laughs> if they saw it before the first time they'd ever, you know, seen one in the flesh. <laughs> oh, God. I think they might... I spoke to a gay guy once who was like, so do they have, they have teeth? I, I assumed he was pulling my leg, but he was genuinely... <laughs> He was genuinely oh, asking. God. Like a Venus flytrap. <laughs> oh. Alright, so that's that's the end of my list. I'm sure that's not the end of them, so that maybe does open up a... I can't believe that was on film. That could be the next uh, rundown. <laughs> if I ask you both, if you're going to take any of these to production, if either one of you want to jump across and tell me which one... I don't need like a list of actors, just which one you get an unlimited budget, any actors you want, which film you're taking. I, I, I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to bring back uh, Howard the Duck. I'm going to go with Howard the Duck and I'm going to cast... Uh, oh, who's my main man? Who's the voice? Because it's going to be a voice, you see. It's going to be like a, like a Bradley Cooper does Rocket at the moment. Who's the voice of it? I'm going to go... Zac Efron. Zac Efron, the voice of Howard the Duck. I'm assuming this Bundy film doesn't go well. <laughs> I'm going to have Steve Carell in the one where the guy's... Chopping up the woman and makes her fall in love with him. <laughs> Boxing Helena, I do actually think that one would do the best out of all of them. It's got legs. <laughs> for me, I'm going to go for uh, Untamed Heart. <laughs> oh, there's so many directions you can go with that, and the inclusion of a baboon. Who's having the baboon's heart? Who's playing the lead? Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh, He'll God. take any role these days, and I yeah. think. As much as I have the budget, I do have to convince him to do it, and I think he'll be well on board for that. <laughs> we'll have um, I forgot the bloke's name. Whoever the other bloke is, and Chuck and Larry, he's uh, gonna be the baboon <laughs> that they take the heart from. Okay, then getting into some sport. If we start off with one we were gonna tackle last week, and that is which sport requires the least talent to be successful. <laughs> I did actually think this when I was doing it. I want to make clear this isn't an attack on you, Alex, at all. So any uh, thoughts? They're all in the context of the de- of the debate. You're just saying if you had a bit more time, you'd do something else. That's all he's saying. <laughs> For me, I know it's not exactly the sport itself, but if there was like, if I could pin it right down for me, it'd be the hundred meters. That. If there are any sport and event in the world, I think that requires the least talent. The le- yeah, because I mean, you're born with it. It's not really something that you're like developing. No, disagree completely. <laughs> I could have trained from the day I was born. I'm not going to be that fast. No, I, I disagree. It, just because that. I mean, I see what you're saying, but it is entirely possible that you could have a hundred people in this world, which could have been faster than the current top 100 Pittsburghers and just didn't have the mental strength or mental capacity to go and get into the world of sport. And there'll be another 100 that are in that sport and haven't got the mental, the mindset to hold composure when it comes to executing a race on the day. I mean... It, yeah, but we're saying, like, which one requires the least amount of, like, development to kind of what you already... Have to be able to do it. There's a huge amount of development involved with being able to travel that yeah, fast compared like, to everything else. 
there's literally no if you sp- if you broke it down in terms of hours trained if you can run you can run so it's going to take you you're going to if you have a pool of 100 people yeah and you say you want to get as many of these people to the top level i think you get more of that top 100 uh, more of that 100 to the top of uh like a track event than you would say get them to the top of football no, I disagree. I I, re- I disagree. Completely disagree. Especially as you say, football. Football's a team sport, and you, you can you can have teams that you you can get yourself in the right sort of team. I mean, yeah, take you, you, we've grown up seeing people who we think are the best players we've seen to play with, and then you look at them not reaching that level. So there's clearly like a level beyond what we've seen. Whereas I've seen people go on with less to be able to go and compete in running events because so, i mean i would in, i would put swimming in there with running because once you know how to do it you know how to do it no it's not it's not true are there not more variants to that you need to adjust skill for in like a ball game than swimming like swimming you're against yourself i i can't really dis- i can't it's really hard for me to describe to you the the different variants that come in when it comes to just let's say endurance sport or like you know just like uh how can I describe it as like a, a basic a, a bit what we deem as a basic human movement if that makes sense um it there is so much that comes into the play in terms of mental composure um the amount of thought that some of these swimmers will have um in their stroke as they're going, um, adaptions with what's going on around them. It may not seem like it because to a lot of people, it's just the same as who can go fastest in a straight line. And it is never, ever that simple. Do you think, say, aliens came down to Earth, they have the same build as us. They have head, two arms, two legs. Could you teach an alien to run easier than you could teach an alien to play rugby, play football, any of that kind of ilk. Being able to run well and being able to run are two different things. Being able to play football and being able to play football too well are two different things. But then the the physical element of the running, etc., does come into it with football and rugby, as well as hand-eye coordination or whatever, depending on what you're doing. Running and, or swimming or whatever is it's physically exerted, no doubt about it. But you don't have the technical abilities that are going to be needed in the other sports. In the hundred meters one that he said, it for example, as well, you don't even have the sort of like race planning that you would have in a longer race, for example. You've got there's no real planning oh, no, going on in that nine a, seconds. There is a ton of planning, and it's it's, but it's planning. during that you you've got nine seconds in your mind where it's not. Yeah, but the, like, but it, the fact that the window for the window for the the window for executing what it is you're doing is so small, same heightens, as the heightens heightens even more what we call the the capacity, the mental capacity to choke. I mean, in a football game, you've got ninety minutes to rectify and put in your performance. Or you in a hundred meter sprint, that's it's nine seconds, and the mental, the amount of mental strength, composure, the skill in your mindset that you've got to have to execute what you've got to do in perfectly in nine seconds. It sounds it is. It's you could so also much say though than, that say compared to the nine seconds, you have half a second to strike a volley or to pick out a teammate. And do you put the mental side in it? Is 
skill or is that separate? No, because no, the mental, mental, the mental side of it is one hundred percent skill. So it that is, that is for, a skill for me. That's why I went straight to a hundred meters rather than long distance because you can have a plan, but it's kind of like how much more of a plan can you have than running that straight line because you can't there there's rules to prevent you affecting other people's performance so if you could cut across someone's track and get straight in front of them then i would say that's more not necessarily skill but that's more of a plan to go into it i don't know how much more of a plan you can have than get off the blocks as fast as you can run and then because it's not even like you're looking particularly for a peak point it's just because it's one get as fast as you can and keep going for 100 meters uh, I I see I see where you're coming from, but I I think when you've when you've competed in a sport, it really exposes you to how how important and how how much of a skill developing a strong mindset. No matter what it is, you're you're, you're not doing sport. like the hundred hundred meters though. So I mean, do you right put it put it on this? So like, take away my endurance ability for for uh, a day and you give me the mental you give sorry you give me the physical ability of Usain Bolt and you tell me to go and do the 100 meters final I finish last I wouldn't have the mental composure and I wouldn't have the skill in mindset to hot to to be able to get myself out of the gate and execute a perfect nine seconds do you not think though for something like an athletic event nine more than 90, I don't know the exact percentage. So a lot of it is getting yourself into the condition beforehand. Whereas to take it right down to a lower level, you can be on a five-a-side pitch and you can have a big fat lad up top who has all the ability to, and he can then work that skill around someone who's in the same conditioning as, say, Usain Bolt is the same one. So say you have someone in the peak, the best possible physical condition they can have so getting to that point i wouldn't say is the skill because as we kind of said that enough of if you're putting the work in you can get to that position do you not think if you say have a year to get yourself to a higher level at sprinting or a higher level of football, it's going to take you a lot longer to reach the top of your craft in the one than the other. See, that's where we're not going to see, we're not going to see eye to eye because I see the entire process leading up to it as a, like a skill. It is like literally right up until the day itself, it can all be thrown away. But like it's the mindset. Every other sport is going to have that preparation as well though. Like, yeah. I understand that you think that because you're involved in a, in a sport involving athletics, but every other footballer is going to say, I've worked for X amount of hours, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Every rugby player, whatever. But All what goes I would, into the same prep. But what I would say is you, you can also have footballers that are extremely lazy, have a lot of natural talent, but and then can get away with it on the day. Uh, whereas I'm saying it's a skill of mindset to have... That ability to hold to, to hold that level of consistency in training to do the same repetitive thing over and over again. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. I I personally will find watching a game of football at the top level more exciting than watching, let's say, a a track a track event day. Yeah, I I would I will admit that, but I will I will never say that like it's less skillful at all because it, it, it and doing something that's extremely repetitive. And it's just the same thing over and over again. And being able to deal with the fact that it, you might do something 
ex- like this, you might do something a thousand times wrong, and it's that one time of the day that you get it right is a skill in terms of being able to hold that mindset to pull that off. Mm. But then, the, let's say that thing you said about if you had Usain Bolt's body, for example, but still you didn't have his mindset that you finished last in that race, you might finish last in that race of the top bracket there, but you'd still be better than so many other people just automatically by having the physical qualities that he's got. You wouldn't be able to put yourself into his body and be a top-level footballer or rugby player or whatever. You'd still have such a mountain to climb in terms of the other people whose skill differential would be better than yours. Whereas that differential would be eaten up so much if you had his physical qualities in a running sense. Yeah, because by the same merit to look at it from a different angle. So I don't know if you class it as a sport as such. So weightlifting would be an angle I would go down. And even if it's not a sport, what I would say is anyone can put themselves in a position to be successful there, I would say. If you're going to the gym every day, as you said, to prepare yourself for a race. So we, me and TK have had the discussion before that me and him could eat the exact same, we could do the exact same at the gym, everything the same. Our bodies, our, mine's never going to be like his, his is never going to be like mine. And so, do you not think, though, that for something that is mainly power over skill, whether you put the power down as the skill, if you can kind of, say, power over flair, if that's a better way of putting it than skill, I think more people can put themselves in a position to be great with the power dynamic than you can with the flair dynamic. And there was something which... So Stephen A. Smith isn't a sportsman, he's a reporter, but he was saying about the difference between him and someone like Jordan, Kobe, someone like that. And he was saying that anyone can get themselves into his position and be successful if they put the work in and do everything he has, grind. Everyone can do what Jordan, Kobe, etc. can do. And they're not going to get themselves in the same thing. So I think when you look at this, the best thing to do isn't to look at the best person there because, as you said, not everyone is going to be able to get themselves into that position. But if you look at, say, the benchmark for being at a high level there and say how you could get yourselves into that position, I would say that one that is more purely physical and power over a flair one would, for me, be the easier one to get to. See, I again, I, I think you're, you're failing to see the amount of skill which is involved in a single movement. And I understand what you're saying, uh, that it is, pre- like, with power, like say, powerlifting is predominantly power-orientated. Any, I guarantee you, anybody that does that to a high level will tell you the exact opposite. It is 50-50 skill, 50-50 power. Uh, and it is you. a lot of people from the outside will just can't get their head around that in terms of like, well, I, I could have the skill to lift this bar, but if I don't have the strength, like the strength, like if I don't have, like if I have 50, cram, 50 kilograms less than you, I'm just not going to be able to lift that bar. But a, a weightlifter with all the strength in the world will tell you it's exactly the same if you don't have the skill to lift that bar in a certain way in a repetitive manner and it's as well I think it's like we, we keep on talking about football I think it's the such the diverse nature of all the different sorts of skills in that are involved in football that it is making it sound in, in general as a as a harder overall skill to learn but you're forgetting at how um, let's say what what makes let's take Messi for example what makes him so unique is the collection of different skills that he's got. 
what I'm trying to make the point of when it comes to something like is what people deem as basic as running and swimming, they are doing one single skill to a level which is hard, like hard for any, like anybody to comprehend. The people don't, people just don't understand. The people don't don't understand it. And it, what I'm trying to say is like that the the height and level that they get to in that one unique skill is higher than any any footballer that we've ever seen with the with any one skill it's a it's a more difficult thing i mean it's it's the sheer diversity and the amount of different skills different movements that a footballer has to develop that makes the the illusion that it's just they're more skillful and it's harder to get into you could make the case that the multitude of skills that messi's had to master though is at such a high level that it, it would be like say if you were able to do stuff you do in Ironman better than people who have perfected say just running say a long distance run if you were able to be a better long distance runner than them plus you could beat them in, on the bike and in the swim then that's kind of where, where Mess is at or someone at a top level with football would be at um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say I was going to make the case for something like oh for if you're talking about powerlifting and stuff I feel like I don't particularly excuse me, I don't particularly consider it a sport I only say the, the case of if you're talking about skill and power, say the mountain from Game of Thrones, say if he'd never actually lifted weights in his life and I'd spent most of my life lifting weights, there is still a sort of level that he will pick something up tomorrow that's heavier than I would ever lift because it's just, just physically it isn't possible. There's certain ramifications that you can't kind of get past, which is maybe the Mo Farah and them can't quite get their heads around. But I, I personally would have more of a look at people like marathon runners in terms of, I would think, I'm not saying there's no skill involved or anything, but if you look at someone who could, some of the ones who aren't in a competitive run but can get a very good time, so say if you could go sub three hours, that's an incredible sort of thing to achieve for someone who maybe isn't an athlete, but that would be like someone taking up football and getting a lower league role, or maybe rugby and getting towards like a bottom premiership team which just wouldn't happen. If someone just took it up, say, for five years, that isn't going to happen. Whereas in running, it's more attainable to be able to do that. My other one would be boxing. I'm not saying no skill involved in that, because obviously there's a huge amount of skill, but you can get to a good level by being tough and gritty. If you look at Dave Allen just headlined an O2 card, he certainly isn't there by being the most skillful guy. He's big and tough. And that would be an argument for, I think you can get to a good level in that by having those raw sort of ingredients, but without the talent that a lot of other people are going to have. What? So let's throw let's throw darts. Do you think there's a, like more skill involved in darts than there is, let's say, a hundred meter sprint? I'd say it's different, but I probably would. For that what only, reason? It's the from, same movement oh, over and over again. But you're doing you're aiming at a different target. No, you're aiming at the same target each time. No, well, not when you're down to the finish. So you're pinpoint you're pin you're pinpointing a point on a target that you want to hit, but it's the same repetitive movement. You're aiming at maybe say sixty different targets potentially in one game, rather than straight line. It's still the same, but it's the same repetitive movement. But that's you could say that's the same with football then, because you're kicking a ball the whole time. You're kicking a ball at a different target. You're kicking it at different variances. No, but there's different. But I, with football, you've got there's ways that you've got to maneuver. You've got there's ways that you've got to. You've got to maneuver the dart in a different to, way. 
no, you don't. You you've got to you aim it. You move. You tilt slightly, and you move in a different direction. How is that any different from let's say, I, like immediately, if you're going to say, if you're going to isolate, that makes you. I mean, take the medley and when it comes to swimming, when they've got to do four different strokes, <laughs> you know, is is that on that principle? Yes, yeah, well, you have to disregard some short distance. when it comes to when it comes to running. How um, being able for Hussein Bolt does four uh, four different events in the hundred when it comes to running. He does the hundred meters, the two hundred meters. That's why I said I'd, and he I, does I the isolated relay. it as like that's short. That's different disciplines. You'd have to isolate as well if you were to you say in each you, one bolt you, does though it's run from point to point as fast as you can. Yeah, but that they, then you're forgetting you're you're. I, I mean, would put darts closer to that than I would football because you are battling yourself. Rather, like technically, with darts, you're not against anyone. Else. Uh, you're you're against someone else, but they can't affect what you do. You're, yeah, it's all on you. And that's, that's the same. Why, that's the same with us. How's that different to the hundred meter sprint? That's what I said. I'd put it. I put that in the same bracket there, and I would have football. Say you're having a, a line. I would have darts on this end closer to running than I would have football. I think. Okay, then, if you're going down that line, so I then like... the, the, the aspect of football that's a team sport is that you, you're you operating in a team, so it's not solely you. In terms of you, what your ultimate achievement has to be defined by what the team achieves, not by what you just achieved. Yeah, the, the... There can be there can be focal points in a team, but there it's still at the, it's still a team. Ultimately, that you're you're part of a chain. You can be a, a very key part in a chain, but you're part of a chain in whatever it is that With... you. The question, though, being which one requires the least skill, I would say it requires more skill, at least anywhere on the pitch. If you say, maybe isolate the keeper is a di- if we have the keeper or something on its own, and everyone else on the pitch needs numerous different skills. You need to be fast, you need to have the control, you need to have the concentration that you've said about for other things. You need so many different things. If Keepers you ha- need to be fast. Yeah, I'm saying... You, it requires a lot more different variances on the pitch than it does in goal. If you're going to break it down, I thought that's where you're going to go next. If you added, if you I, added I, chart, I disagree. I disagree. I'd say that there's just as much variance in goal than there is out on the pitch. Hundred percent. I disagree there. But we'll, 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 we'll include so it with, a keeper, we'll include it with a keeper. A keeper. What? 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 The the best keepers in the world. What do you when? What do you think they do? What do you think that they will think about when it comes to them at that top level? Apart from just when the ball comes at me, I've got to try and stop it from getting in the goal. What else do you think they think about? Well, that's the majority. You keep the ball at the net. And there's so much more than that. Uh, you've got to you've got to think about your positioning in the goal. You've got to watch that. You've got to understand. Yeah, you have to do everything. You, so all the, amount that on the, research, pitch plus the amount of research that these top goalkeepers are going to in terms of knowing their opponents, knowing that when the ball starts to move in that certain area of the pitch, there's a good chance that that period, that that phase of play will move into a different phase of play, engaging certain those other certain players on the pitch. He's got to be able to understand certain players' body languages to try and understand what they're going to do with the ball. It doesn't matter. It, You're there, helping the football case against there, running. There's there's consistencies. There's consistencies in in players' habits, even at the best, that they can't ever they can't hide a hundred percent of the time. Messi can't. Messi has trends in the way that he plays the game and the best keepers in the world will look to spot those trends and know when he's engaging those trends. You could say though by the same variancy that you've got 10 players in front of the keeper making sure 
he doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, but I all I'm saying, I, I'm defending that I'm saying that... I'm not the, saying there's no skill involved in being a keeper. No, but I'm saying that there's just as much involved skill involved as a key, with a keeper than there is on a player out on the pitch. I, I think you're literally just quite... You're, you're quite... You're, I mean, most, you're being, most keepers you're, end you're, up be most keepers end up being keepers because I, they couldn't do it on the pitch. I think you're just you're, you're you're not seeing the bigger picture with mindset in sport. I am because uh, the you, next one I was going to get onto was cycling. The other thing is as well that if Messi could could have been the most talented keeper in the world growing up, but his size, you can't ever be a professional keeper. You would never be able to shoot purely on his size. So if we're looking at it from a talent angle, then that would be. You've got to be essentially six foot plus to be able to go in the sticks. Not necessarily. You you have to be. You could you'd be, be at a you disadvantage. Be you'd be at a disadvantage in certain respects, but potentially there's other advantages that you could have being a smaller keeper. You're definitely going to be more nimble. I'd say in certain respects, you'd be able to get to the floor lower. There's, you'd never you, be able to save keepers one have in the top ke- keepers keepers have different traits of abilities. Yeah, and you could be messy size, this. for example. Off the top, you can be Aaron Lennon size. You can be someone like. That. Regardless of how hard you work, how much talent you have for it, you wouldn't—you just purely wouldn't be able to do it as a keeper. Same as a centre half, almost. Centre half is a, a difficult position to play, but ultimately you got to be a bit of a brute and physically in order to be able to do it. He—he's uh, a question. I don't think this year was the most or least skilled. Cycling, say, you have two different sports within cycling. If you want to say so, you have the X game side of it with the kind of tricks and skills and this kind of different thing, and then you have the long distance Tour de France, this kind of thing. Which would you say there's more skill there, you're, involved? You're wrong, in? you're wrong there as well. There's you. I, the way that I'd isolate it is um, I'd isolate it down individual time trial, which is. I mean, if we're going to get technical, we could have no, no, 100 no, meters, no, no, 200 meters. No, no, no. It is on, on the bare bones of it, you're talking about individual time trial, which there will be individual time trial, downhill, mixed terrain, ex terra stuff, and all like, you know, off terrain stuff. We've all seen the famous video of the guy who snapped his chain in the World Championships and still managed to get the fastest time downhill, which says a lot for mindset and skill without brute power because he didn't have anything to put power down with. Says a lot for gravity. <laughs> Does, but he's got to be able to use that gravity. I mean, if, if a football pitch was that steep, if you manage, should be able to get the ball in the goal. But yeah. If you, you saw that you, run, you've you know, hijacked. Example, it's not, it's not you, gravi- it's not if, you, if, you saw, if you saw that run, you'd know that gravity was just as much as enemy in that, in that run you've, than it was. You've, uh, is, is, uh, you've hijacked my question before I could ask you it. I'm, I'm saying you have one, which is a power-based a to B, if you're really breaking it down, I know it's not. Can... It's definitely not. Well, even a time trial is A to B. It is, but there's you'll you'll you, you have a, no idea. You have you have drum. you have no idea the skill involved with being able to to, I mean, to we, be able to ride it to time trial fast. I'm saying if you were to portion, if you had to split it, and you would put the one side is point A to B. Would you not say? Even with a long distance and a short time trial, it's still who can get from point A to point B the fastest. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. So no, wait. And so, but you're the, completely forgetting. You're just like you're. You're. I'm you're not. Every time I you, try to you're explain completely it, forgetting you cut what me they off. have to do between A and B. No, you're I'm just not. seeing it as A to B. I'm trying to differentiate, and the other side of it is who can 
do the most intricate, say, a flip, a grind on something to I don't know enough about it to say it like that. I'm saying, which one do you think is going to take you the most skill to be able to do? Is it ride from point A to B, or is it grind on this rail and then do a flip off the back equal, of it? Perfectly equal. There is no differentiation between it. And it uh, it's actually... is. We I, need to find a sport you have no I, involvement I, it in. Is, but- it is literally... It is, it's almost, for me, it is glaringly obvious how clueless you are with... Like, it, it, when it comes to... When it comes to do you you're inside that video the that bowl. I put that video that I put in the group the other day of that um the the I won't name because you won't have a clue but the cyclist uh, descending down and I said with right, this so he's praised so there is for not falling off yeah so him what he achieved what he did in that moment down that hill is probably more skillful than the majority of the field at some of these top, let's say, like show, like jumping stuff. Then what he did as a cyclist has never been done down that descent before. The amount of danger that he put himself in, that height of skill, I don't, I'm not sure there is three or four other people on the planet that could have done that. I'm I'm asking the question. You're in too close that you're deeming each question as like an attack. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm genuinely like if you. If you had to, if you had fifty people one side, fifty people one side, and you had to, you gave them a chance to replicate the highest on the one side. I said about whether if you do it for the most realistic distance that you could do in say a month, and on the other side you have a month to try and replicate the top run at the X Games freestyle round or whatever it is. Which one do you think is going to take the most? Which one do you think is going to be the hardest to perfect after? I, I think after they're, per- the month? I, I, they're perfectly equal, and you 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 just you, I mean it's not it wouldn't they're be equal. perfectly equal. You, you wouldn't have say there there is literally I I you you just you just you have no idea the amount of the amount the level of skill which is involved right, in terms take- of getting like if you were to if you were to say. Um, I know what you're trying to say. If, if we but change it, it's perfectly equal. Have you ever been on rollerblades? Yes. Are you a pro rollerblader? No. All right, so let's do rollerblading. If you have to go from point A to B on rollerblades, mm-hmm. or you have to do, say, a more intricate tricks on the rollerblades, which do you think would be easier to teach someone in the space of a month to do? If you say equal, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, but it's defining as is. It's we're we're talking about we're talking about sport here in terms of I'd say so we're we're a competitive position. Yeah, essentially you'd be saying could you get to the end of the time trial? Technically, if I get on a bike, you'll get it. If you get it done in the same day, it's not it's not it's not a fair comparison. How can I put? Well, say then say then you have fifty on each side. And the fifty are strictly taught to do these kind of tricks. Say they're told to do a run and a flip, a run and a flip. On the other side, yeah, the other side, they're for the month. They're strictly taught the basis of skating from this side of uh, this side of a track to the other side of the track. Do you think you'd have more successful people? 
going across each way, going on to the race or going on to, I'd, I'd, if I say skill side, I know you're going to, but if you, which one do you think would be more successful when they go across? All right. I, it, it depends on what you'd see. It depends on what you deem as success. If we're talking about how close they would get to do being you think what the, you class as a, a, a good sportsman in that sport, I think you'd be surprised at Do you think of the, the 100 of in people, a race, the 50 that have strictly been doing the A to B would finish the top 50 in the race? Say that again, sorry. So, so say so, you have so. the 50 here. So everyone who's doing this is in one big competition against each other now. Mm-hmm. Do you think you have more people get into the top 50 in the running from the other side or do, you th- or do you think you have more people get into the top 50 of the skill side from the A to B side? Uh, I'll, I'll concede that I think this is incredibly have, simplified. I, I think I, I think you'd have more. So let, let me just check that I've got this straight. So you have the 50 people that are learning to do all the tricks and stuff with the yeah. world page, and you have 50 people learning to do the the A to just you yeah. know get from A to B as fast as they can with roller skates and then what they do is they all compete against each other and you're seeing how well each of them do in each of the yeah. in each of, right so I would say there'd be I would concede that definitely there would be more people the people who did the tricks and stuff would be more successful than the people that would go from just going from A to B over to yeah. the other side. So that- however it's an unfair test because the people that um, are the people who are learning to do all the tricks and stuff are learning what people that are just going from A to B are learning. So there's more skills involved in them doing what they're doing. No, it's kind because, of like if you took- because, because then my argument is, is that if you were then to take that entire group of people and compare them to sportsmen in rollerblading, they would still be nowhere near. They would be. They would be further away than they would be from, let's say, the trick people on an on an eye level. If you then t- I think you would like if you were if you were to say. So I'll put it like this. So same same test. Um, so you have those two fifty fifty people, but then you bring along ten of the ten athletes at from ranging from the top level to entry level to medium level at going from A to B as fast as possible and doing tricks and stuff. I think you would be surprised at the gap between those, the entire hundred, even the 50 that practice getting from A to B. You'd be surprised at the gap that there was between them and the sportsmen. I think you'd be surprised at how close on an eye test some of the people doing tricks and stuff would be to a few of the entry level to... The sports bill. I think you yeah. on that. The that way you think closer. The way I was going to swing it right round is if you took the England track and field squad and you put them and you then took the England football squad and you put who, who do you think would be more competitive in the other field? Do you think it would be the English, the England football squad, going and competing in the track and field so, side? So that, so that, so that, so that, you so. take the England, the England squad football, mm-hmm. and you take the England track and field squad. I don't know if that's what it's referred to as, and they had to compete against each other in their own fields. So mm-hmm. do you not think that because of the skills that they have to harness in their game, the England football squad would be more competitive on the other side than the track and field squad would be competitive in the game of football right. because there's I, more I, I, skills. I, see, I, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I, what, what, I, what I'd say is on a, on a, let's say to get to a certain level in, in, 
like say in running and cycling and swimming you would have you would have um more people that would have be managed to achieve that i'll concede that i'll give you that however i think when it gets to the top level which you need to let define the level that these guys get to when it gets to the top top level there is just as much skill as involved as there is at, in football do you sort of see I, I, I so it's kind of like a 50 50 there in terms of what we're saying i like what i'm it, it's there's what what I'll say is, so your average Joe cyclist, there will be less skill involved with a few of your average. There'll be more people. Let's just sit with running, actually. There'll be more people that could get to a decent level running on average than there would be to what we deem as a decent level of football. That's open to interpretation. However, what I'm saying is at the top level of running, there is just as much as skill involved as there is at the top level of football. I, and you need to let that just define it still. This, it's the, whenever we do these things, it, uh, I've listened back before, and it does seem like we are essentially breaking down everything you do as if it's not. And it's not like that at, at all. No, I wouldn't, no, 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 I wouldn't no. be able to do what, what you do if I trained from now to for the next two years. But my thing is the power, just the power against flair thing. And if we talk about these triathletes and the level of skill involved there, then. <laughs> no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And, uh, like, the, the reason that I'm so defensive about it is because it's like the hard, the harshest lesson which I've had to learn. I've had the physical ability to... I've had the physical ability to go and win the races that I do for two years now, I'd say. But the only thing that I haven't been able to get right is the skill and the mindset of... We are waiting able, for you the, to talk about uh, this weekend. The, the weekend. Well, uh, that was... I, do you want me to go on it? Do it sort of what I hey, did. Look, so we I, saw, so I saw your caption. Great result. Patted yourself on the back. So, so I, so I did at the weekend. Um, I did a half marathon. I did the Shakespeare half marathon. Um, I, I came third. Okay. Um, I was against pure runners. Um, that I was aware of and stuff. So it was quite a surprise. I, I, I wasn't expecting to finish on the podium. I wasn't planning to win the podium. To be quite frank, I don't really, don't really care that I got on the podium. What I was interested in is I had a game plan going in in terms of that it was a it was a personal uh, challenge for me in terms of I had a pacing plan that I wanted to execute and um, I wanted to be able to maintain my running form without it breaking down at all over the entire breadth of the race um, because essentially what I'm trying to do is completely change my running form so I become a better runner um, and I managed to do those two things the overall time and then where I finished was third and fourth on the list um so it is you know it's because you're hydrated this time yeah and (laughs) what i'm trying to say is two years ago or a year ago i wouldn't have been able to do the race that i did on yesterday and that's nothing to do with the physical ability that's it was all to do with the skill and the mindset of being able to execute it if that makes sense well if we move on we got plenty of uh, football and other things to get into and uh, i'm sure we'll uh, pick up some variant of this again in the future (laughs) Moving on then, we had the team of the year announced for the Premier League. We had the uh, player of the year, young player of the year, all that business as starts to come around this time. I don't know why it's done before the end of the season, because for me, I would think the player of the year should be one who wins the league. We don't know who that's going to be. Young player of the year, I do think should be younger, but that's, uh, I'm sure, a question for another day. What we have here is who we think should be in our team of the year. I think 
the only player outside of City and uh, Liverpool was Pogba in the PFA's version. Not sure if that'll be the case on ours exactly. Um, if I check first of all, so I know for when we go around, what formation does everyone else have? I've got a four-two-three-one. Uh, I've got a four-two-three-one as well. Four-three-three, I guess, but kind of you can kind of mix it up, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we start with the keeper, then so I've got Allison. Does anyone have anything different? I've got Edison, but I did. I did think about Allison in there because I think he's conceded. Is it two less goals and he's got two more clean sheets or something? I think it's a start. Yeah, he's he's got, he's got the most clean sheets. I think me and you had the discussion away from this the other day, and I was kind of asked which one we would currently rather have. And for me, that would be Edison at the moment. But in terms of this season, which is what it's meant to be isolating in this season, I would take Allison based on um, the figures involved and I think the eye test. I think if you put another keeper in if you put kind of say I don't want to single him out as a, if you put Nick Pope kind of a middle of the middle of the row keeper in both nets and I think Liverpool concede Liverpool have less points now than City do I think Allison has saved more yeah. points for Liverpool than Edison has saved for City I think the swaying thing for me, I had Allison. Um, I, I think the swaying thing is that is the level of impact I think if the level of impact that he has on the Liverpool squad versus how how much of an impact how much he changes uh, Edison changes the Man City squad and that is it, I mean it is so close it is so close don't get me wrong it's like no disrespect to Edison at all I think if you take them both out of the squads Liverpool lose more points. The the funny thing is, if you asked this question at the start of the year, then I think we would all kind of stick our nose up at anyone having anyone other than De Gea, which is yeah. funny how uh, things can change in the space of a year. It's, it's funny how things can change in the space of a week for De Gea <laughs> in this case. Yeah. yeah, don't talk to him about a week the week Arsenal have had. <laughs> um, at left-back then, Andy Robbo for me, um, I think one of the most consistent players in the league this year. I don't think I can recall a particular bad performance from him. I think he's one, and we'll maybe get on some other players later who are judged in the same way, that you're almost judged against your own high standards rather than the standard everyone else sets. So for me, Robertson is like the obvious choice for his delivery and defensive, which usually you're picking one or the other when it comes to something like this. Yeah, same reasoning here. I think he has had, I'm not saying he's not had any bad games, he's had a couple in there, but... Yeah, I think he's the standout guy at that, at that position at the minute. I think um, Ding, I'm not sure how you say it, Evan. Is it Digne yeah. or something? So I think he's been quite a good impact, but maybe going forward he he might show a little bit more. But I think Robert at the minute is the man. What about you, AJ? Uh, I got um. He's so, <laughs> <laughs> covering his mouth as he says it, so it's not going to be good. <laughs> we are a right back, aren't we? Left back, left back. Um, I've got Robertson uh, left back. Uh, I I think that's pretty obvious for me. Yeah. I think he's been the most distinguished in terms of let let's say the step up this year. I actually think a lot of these are going to be the same. I'll be shocked if it's too different. It, I, yeah, I I found it quite difficult because I was maybe trying to. I almost felt like I was trying to forcibly think of players outside the box here, yeah, and it's not that like, easy. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'm gonna I put it out there early. Not a single Spurs player is in here, and it is not because there's been bad like. 
we're a bad team or there's bad players in the squad. It's just like that none of them have been stand out. I'd say Sun has been the best player, well, but even even Sun has not been amazing. He's had some very good. He's like had some decisive moments. If you were to they've forget, listened to you and they've on the bench after you. If you were to if you were to if you were decisively, I disregard the Champions League. He just doesn't stand out as much as the players that what, we're going to say. If Kane was out for the season, he might have got Player of the Year. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, centre back pairing. Uh, Laporte and uh, Van Dijk. Yeah. Anyone have anything different? No, not at all. all right, well, uh... no. I mean, the um, the two lads at Wolves have had good years as well when they've played, but yeah, they're they're the obvious two, aren't they? I think again, if you take them out of their teams, particularly Van Dijk, but even they've had such a massive impact. Yeah, if you want to, again, we will say on here about uh, not trusting stats. That who scored where they kind of break everything down statistically to give you a rating for each game. Uh, Cody is the worst defender in the league when you go specifically <laughs> on kind of like challenges, made the challenges, one clearances, interceptions, that kind of thing. So that maybe shows you because, I mean, Van Dijk is better than Mustafa. Uh, Mustafa is better than Van Dijk when you break it down like that as well. So. <laughs> um, right back then, uh, Wan-Bissaka for me, I think. The other choice I could have potentially had would have been Pereira, but I thought uh, Wan-Bissaka for consistency, even if he did uh, blatantly unball it against Arsenal last week and get away with it. <laughs> I've got Wan-Bissaka as well, but it was very, very close for me between him and Doherty at Wolves. I think he's, again, solid enough defensively and it's been really good going forward. I think he's been a real standout for them. If if bigger clubs were looking at one of their players, I thought he would have been one of the ones to, they're taking a, a closer look at. But I think Wan-Bissaka just about edges it for me. He's been a... I don't want to say a breakthrough because I feel like he's maybe a little bit more... I, I think he's maybe a little bit above a, a breakthrough sort of player, but it has been a great year for him. I'm actually going to do say. I, 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 I sway it down to... I've managed to catch... Um, <laughs> I managed to catch him recently... Uh, watching him play with Wolves in some of the highlights and uh, some of the matches themselves a bit more recently, which made me sway on my mindset a little bit. But um, And I'm not just saying it to be different. I I think I'd be surprised if he doesn't get snapped up in this window coming up. Um, I, I I think his movement forward is almost a little, has been a little bit unique to a lot of other players this season. Um, and I think he's just been as consistent as... Um, as uh, One second. Yeah, as well. Do you want to give us your midfield two? Um, so I'm going to start off with Fabinho. I'm having him as hold in that holding position. Um, I I think he he's maybe had a bit of a quieter final third of the season, but for me he was the um, I, and it, when he went when he was, um, uh, it was I can't remember if it was a suspension or injury now, uh, but when he was missing from that Man City squad. He's the Fern- only Fernandinho. Fernandinho, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, who did I say for Fabinho? Fabinho yeah. yeah, no, so Fernandinho. You're going rogue. No, no. <laughs> Fer- Fernandinho, sorry. Um, he, um, I, I think when he was missing from that squad, he showed a glaring vulnerability. And when he came back in the match against Liverpool, I thought it was so distinguished in terms of what he brings. Uh, like he's the Man City have got the best team in the league without a shadow of doubt, and I think he is the most irreplaceable player in that squad currently. Um, and definitely with the way Kante's definitely fallen away this season to a certain respect, not really his He's fault. played further up. Yeah, not really his fault. Um, yeah, Fernandinho for me, definitely. Who did you have alongside him? Uh, so I, I, I just take one there. 
I do. Oh, no, I had two. Sorry. So you had four, two, three, um, one. I'll put Bernard, Bernardo Silva there. I've got quite an aggressive format, so I'll have the two oh, City right. boys there. I'll ask you to put them out. <laughs> so, yeah, Bernardo Silva. Similar sort of reasons. I think he's, he for he for him, for me, he's kind of um, almost been a bit more appreciated and shone in this final third of the final third of the year, which is because we, I don't think we mentioned him at all when we sort of did our mid season team of the year. Um, as like a, we almost mentioned him in the same way that we probably think of Gundogan right now, like very very good but not stand out. Yeah. Um, I think, but he has stood out for me in the final third. Um, so I have Bernardo Silva same as you, and I actually have Wijnaldum alongside him. I don't know if it was a case of uh, trying to mix it up. I thought with Fernandinho, he's he's good at what he does. Obviously, that there, there is that, but. I mean, I don't know how much you show it in this City team the way they're going. And I thought someone, Wijnaldum would be one who maybe at the start of the season wouldn't have been in Klopp's starting lineup, wouldn't have been someone that's gone in there, cemented himself through, got a couple of goals along the way. And um, of the Liverpool midfield, I think you, you miss him and what he does there when he's not there. And almost, he kept, he likes a midfield too, doesn't he, for the most part, uh, Klopp and he tucks in with a three if he maybe has Firmino or someone else missing and it's been him maybe in at the sake of Henderson until recently in the season so I went with one Alden Genie yeah I was I was tempted I think if we'd gone earlier in the season I might have gone with Alden more recently they've he's looked at in the bigger games the midfield of um, Fabinho Hendo and Cater has been so and, and Genie's been on the bench and then he came back in against Cardiff and obviously got that goal so um, I think I, I'll disagree just slightly in terms. I think that midfield for Liverpool often play, you can kind of take in or out Hendo Milner, Wijnaldum, and they can kind of do a job similar to the other. I think he does probably the best job when on it, but I think they're interchangeable. It's the only way in which I'll say um, more replaceable than a City player. Well, I, I do agree with Alex in terms of once they took Fernandinho out for that little spell, they did look a little bit vulnerable. I think. They've kind of adjusted the way they play a little bit so when Gundogan is in there, they can cope better. But I think the worry for the rest of the league is that they're going to be looking for a successor for Fernandinho going forward, which is is even more depressing. But I, I've got to have him in there. I think I think he's the top holder midfielder around at this point in time. Um, and I'll have, again, Bernardo Silva next time. I've been impressed by how he's going. He's not really a guy who's going to sit next to you. Guy. He, he'll work hard for you, but Let's face it, in something like this, we're going to try and squeeze as many attack-minded players in there as we can. And I think he has been outstanding. So, And he, he's forced his way into a City team that most people probably wouldn't have thought he's going to be getting a start in. And now he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, kept uh, Sané out, which is uh, pretty yeah. mental. Um, so on the left then, I have Sterling. I think you can't possibly keep him out of uh, your team. It's just a case of uh, where you put him. And uh, he's really stepped up this year. He's actually improved his goals and he's looked a lot more uh, clinical, which is, I said before, if there was one player I had to bet my life on, wouldn't score it be him in a (laughs) one-on-one. So he's obviously um, upped his game this season. He's done it in big games as well as uh, the smaller ones, which maybe certainly he's been criticised for. And so I think he's uh, one of the definite ones. Yeah, I I mean... for me, the the sort of the front set, their positions don't really they can sort of chop and change. So I just like Sterling is on my list. So I'll just confirm that now. Say so, same reasons. He's definitely he he's been the player that I think overall. I mean, he's 
it falls into the frame of the you know the forwards stand out more than your defensive players. I mean, I know Van Dijk gets the player of the season um, in a lot of people's eyes, but Sterling's the guy that we've talked about the most, and that's not just because of you know what goes on off offside the pitch, outside the pitch. I think he has been the standout, and halfway through the season, I mean, he was the player of the season. Unless we forget that, so yeah, he's a shoe in for me. Yeah, I got Sterling in there as well, as you probably. I've noticed from I just mentioned the two midfield players. I'm probably looking more at a four-two-three-one. Uh, I was I was looking at potentially again, not going full Wolves fanboy here, but I was looking at potentially getting Moutinho or Nevers in that. In terms, of, I think they both have very good seasons. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a four-two-three-one. I've got Sterling in there. I think I struggle not to have him in there. But as I'm going to come on to with another player, I I don't know if he's as runaway good. As has been portrayed, but we'll, we'll come on to that. Yeah, I think I know where you might be going, and Hazard isn't in my team. If that's where, if that's the direction you were heading in, I think when you look at the other wide players, so I had um, Salah in there. Actually, in my team, I have him kind of beyond the striker, more of a place of just where you put him more than that's where I would have him as such. And I had. I went for Fraser over Hazard because I went for someone who's done it the whole season long rather than popped up and the first third of the season and then the final four or five games just to make a point and people say, well, he's been doing it the whole year. I mean, Fraser's got the most uh, dribbles completed in the league this season. He's got the most assists in the league this season. His cross completion is one of the highest there is and it's cliche to say, but I mean, if he had a fancier name, then he probably would be one of the first names that people have in their in their team setup. I mean, he's a name that's been linked with Arsenal next year, and I look at our wingers, and I think that would be absolutely perfect if that could be the case. I dread to think what you'd pay for him, but I I would take Salah. I've the Hazard seems to be in every team. Salah seems to be in none of them. Uh, when you look at the experts' uh, team of the season and. He's second top scorer in the league, Salah, and most he's people top are saying. He's top scorer, 21. Is he, I thought, is he top scorer? Yeah, 21. This is a thing for me. So I actually haven't got Salah in my team. Um, and it is, I think, so immediately a lot, like you would automatically throw in the, the top scorer in the league as like a given. But I don't think the top scorer in the league this season is as distinguished a feature when you're coming to picking the team of the year as it has been in previous years. I mean, last year... You've you'd been have, charmed by your brother. You, you, you'd you have... No, I'm not... Hazard's not in my team. Hazard's not in my team either. Jesus. The reason I don't have Salah in my team is I would say that he has uh, definitely picked up now some goals in the latter stage of the season. I, he's <laughs> The thing is, he's victim of his own success last year to start with um, in terms of he set us at a standard and he hasn't been as good this year. So you automatically start to think of him in a negative light. So I'm guilty of that, I will admit. Um, but when it comes to when I've seen him play this season, when things haven't been going his way, his adaptability to be able to still bring something to the game hasn't been as good, I don't think. Um, it's just when he's got it right, you see them flares of last season. Um, like what I'm trying to say is I think there's the, the players which I have got instead of him, I think have been more consistently unplayable, I mean, if from, that makes sense. From memory, I'm sure he scored against Arsenal, City, United, Chelsea and Spurs this season. And he's spoken about like he's just been banging them in against Bournemouth and Huddersfield. And <laughs> I mean, when when you, you, when you think that he's not playing as a lone striker and he's certainly not playing as like an isolated front man like you see 
with some of the other guys who are in the top scorers. I do think you have to take more note of it than perhaps has been. It's interesting. So to quote my brother, um, so my brother thinks that Salah is the most overrated player in the Premier League right now, um, and I think he's. I think he, what he his. I think his wording on it was along the lines of what Salah is doing so well at the moment doesn't work in any other team in the world right now. And he benefits from the setup that he's got around him and the attacking style and pressing format that Liverpool has. Um, so, like, yeah, so if you were to simplify that, the bottom line is my brother is fully convinced that if he goes anywhere else in the world, he is a shadow of what he is at that Liverpool setup right now. You don't judge him there, though. You judge him on what he's done this season. No, that's very true. But or it's, have it's, in, still have not be, it's still not been as good as last season. No, but you could say that. By the same basis, you wouldn't have, say, De Gea in the team based on what he's done last season because you can't just compare the two and can have some kind of like average between them. Salah, you say he's not been as good as last season. He's still top scorer in the league. He's still yeah, got but his that's, team that's just not as not as distinguished as it. I mean, but top scorer in the season. I mean, they're all. They're, is they're, it not still? There's four dis- players on twenty goals. Yeah, he's on twenty one, and then the it, gap is like after that is like nineteen, eighteen. I mean, it, next weekend there could literally be Salah could be sixth in the top scoring list. I don't know if we catch here if that's TK again. Oh, <laughs> um, I would say with Salah though, um, you've got a. Oh, Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sick. Just dirty, a dirty bomb. What the hell is that? That's the cat, surely. It's the cat. just left. Oh, my God. It's either that or Sean's turned up. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Sean. That was harsh. I didn't oh. mean that. <laughs> I've been accused of being harsh and this is my I've been accused of being harsh to Sean this is my comeuppance I'll, 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 I'll finish the point and just say that um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a quick intermission while I saw this <laughs> intermission uh, dealt with we think we've uh, quashed that for the moment <laughs> debated it eradicating it but we'll, we'll, we'll leave it in we'll just uh, let you know some of the perils we go through just to get this content out for our lucky audience. But as I was saying, Sally, you, you've got to judge him on what he's doing this season, not what he'd do in any other team. You've got to look at the goals he has scored. You've got to look at the moments he scored it and on the position he's put his team in. I know TK had a stat that he showed where he's saying he'd scored over double the amount of uh, the, the next placed winning goals or breaking a draw so or levelling or going ahead. So... I think they're significant goals he's scoring. He's putting his team in a good position. I don't see how you can have a team in a season without the most important player in the second uh, challenger's team. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. When that's when I saw that stat, I was surprised by it and pretty impressed. To be fair, I purely from an eye test point of view, predominantly, I do think Hazard's had a better season than Salah. When I've watched games, I've watched Hazard and thought, "Oh, he looks a threat." Always oh, dangerous. Start of the season, I was thinking. Right, if he, let's face it. If he carried on that form at the start of the season, he would have been player of the year. But he didn't, and he can't, and he's shown that repeatedly. The Chelsea fans don't seem to be able to get there, quite get their head round. But I think he has been very, very good whenever I've watched him. But I couldn't. When I saw that, I couldn't overlook it. He's Salah's been the reason for twenty-four points. One, the next closest to that is a group players, including Aguero. I think are on twelve. It's like over double. It's just 
that was a mind blowing sort of stat to me. And for a guy who predominantly this season, one of the things when he wasn't going in great form was that he doesn't do it in big games or whatever. Well, he's done it in the crucial moments where he's needed. So, despite the fact that I think from even games when he scored goals that have been the winner, I've watched some games where I thought you've done nothing other than that. So that Southampton one a few weeks ago, he got the one that made it two one, didn't he? And then we obviously went on to get a third. I was watching him throughout that whole game thinking, you've done nothing. But he ended up doing that. On the flip, if you flip it, when Liverpool played Chelsea, for example, I watched him relatively quiet for that. I thought he was sharp, but didn't do a huge amount. Hazard, as soon as he ended up getting moved to the left, Hazard looks unbelievable. It's the best player on the pitch. But within that, Salah scored a screamer of a goal. Liverpool won to win the game. Hazard missed two very good chances. Hit the post on one, swung a leg at the other. And, and that's the sort of the yardstick we kind of got to have, unfortunately, is that one ended up winning this team the game, one didn't, despite the fact that one probably played a little bit better if you were just watching him. So, so for that, that's why I've got Salah in there, despite the fact I don't think for a large period of the season he has been as good as he can be. He's the bare bones of it. Yeah, it's 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 difficult because, you know, I've heard repeatedly, like, you know, if you take, if you switch them, if you put Salah in that Chelsea squad and you put Hazard in that Liverpool squad, Hazard does a better job than Salah does in the Liverpool squad and Salah does nowhere near as good as Hazard does at Chelsea. But unfortunately, unfortunately, that's team sports. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and just because just because that that may be the case, but that doesn't mean that Salah hasn't taken his chances well enough. So who do you have ahead of Salah in your team? If you give us the rest if you give us your front four as such. So what include, so to, um, let's not do the strikers yet. Because uh, let's do the strikers yet. Oh God, uh, so oh, I've got so I've got so so just to remind so I had Fabinho, uh, uh, Fernandinho Fernandinho, Bernardo, and then I had Mane and Sterling, um, and then I've actually got Kevin De Bruyne in there. That is mental. Same. I know. I know. (laughs) So he's done more this season than Salah. (laughs) See, the thing is, the thing is, I kind of. Pogba might have done more than De Bruyne. (laughs) He has. I I feel like I sort of explained the reasons why I didn't have Salah in there. yeah, but and I maybe and I, and it's going to be the same for my. You're probably going to give you the same lecture when it comes to my striker. No, as well. tell it, who's your striker? No, no, we'll wait for that. <laughs> so the oh, it's worried. no, no, it's not. It's, it's not, Raul Jimenez. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, no, it's um, Olivier Giroud. No, <laughs> the um, I, that would charm you with that. It if wouldn't. I said that. Oh, <laughs> um, no, the reason I, I think. Every moment that Kevin De Bruyne has played, he's been the like the best player in the Premier League. And I know he hasn't played as much this season, but I think when he comes when when we have seen him play, he he's he's that he's the one who stands out the most in that city squad. Even more than even more than somebody else, which we'll get to. Um and I know what I'm guilty of here is I'm saying that his the moments where he has played this season have been more standout focal points than me than, let's say, the the consistency which Salah's shown. If that makes sense. So, and if, I know, I know, I know that's, <laughs> I know, I know that sounds outrageous, but uh, you could, you could, right? you could say I've been guilty of trying to make my, trying to make my, um, trying to make my, <laughs> try and get shoehorn one controversial pick in there, which you know to say Kevin De Bruyne is controversial is yeah, we haven't had your strike yet, so. Tika, who's your uh, other winger then? And then we'll, I assume we'll have the same striker. But 
yeah, got to have Mane in there. I think, I think when Salah wasn't playing particularly well, he was still, he's been throughout pretty much the season, I would say. It's been a good, consistent level. Always a threat, even in games he doesn't score goals in. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, him and Sterling ain't so different. And we're being told that it's Sterling and Van Dijk or bust. But if Mane's English, we're all, <laughs> we're all wanking off to him. So let's just have it right in terms of there's... I think Sterling's had a great year, but I don't think Mane's had too much different a year. And if it weren't for the fact that he was playing for an African team instead of the England team, we might... Uh, we might have a different opinion on that. That's where that's where I think Sterling's. Um, that's what like, Sterling's fighting for. They're, they're, Sterling's stuff off the pitch is brilliant as well. But I've I've always had enough to do. I think, for I example, think, when people said Suarez couldn't get Player of the Year because he was a bit of a cunt, no one's disputing that. But he was still the best player in the league by a mile at that point. But that's the thing. That's where the the controversial things that happen around Sterling, so, where the media go for him and stuff, he gets talked about, so, and that is that. That's I think what can distinguish so, sometimes yeah, yeah. so is, well as the is Aguero your striker to confirm I I could not have him but I I did I did want to get Son in only because even if not in the raw numbers he's been so important for Spurs when they've been bats against the walls and when Kane's been out he has scored important goals and carried Spurs to an extent but I can't not have Aguero in there, so yeah, I've got him in. Right, so I, I, I've got Aguero, I've got Aguero, and I, I completely say what you're saying with Son, and it's really difficult for me to say, but what you got to remember is, so we didn't really, Kane was still our standout man. At, for Hang the on first, a second. how many players are in your team? I've got Aguero, I've got Sterling, I've got Kevin De Bruyne, I've got Mane, and then I've got Bernardo Silva, and Fernandinho, yeah. I've got the right amount. Yeah. Who do you think I've said? Hang on. You've got a 4 2 3 2 there. No, I've got no, a 4 2 3 1. He's talking about something. He hasn't put something in. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. I said I, I, said, you, I, I, said, I just said I've got Aguero in there, but I, and I'm talking about why I haven't got Sun in there. But well, I can, you said you had a controversial striker. Yeah, and I, I thought Aguero, I thought that you wouldn't have Aguero in there for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why you thought that either. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, for me, it was Sun. So I, I think people forget that how many goals Kane has managed to get around his injuries this season. And he he has been predominantly the driving force with the majority of the goals. Son has been more distinguished when he has stepped in. And I think when you disregard what he's done in the Champions League and just isolate the Premier League, those moments where he has saved us have been very, very distinguished and so decisive, but they haven't been as much as they made out to be. And also as well, I think... Spurs are in third place and they were at one point challenging for the title and the standout talking point was, was who was, who was who was uh, who was um who was the man who was driving that and that was Son at the time and it was a very isolated point I mean we're talking about the entire breadth of the season it's hard for me to say because I really wanted to try and get him in there, but when you bore it down to it, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I thought you were saying you had Aguero and someone else alongside him, no, which is no, what no, I was confusing. No, 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 no. Before we move on to a quick uh, kind of flop eleven, and then we'll uh, just have a bit of a chat about this weekend's action. Bit of a little factoid for you. So, if I was to tell you, can you believe these players were once in the PFA Team of the Year? Andy Johnson, <laughs> Pascal Chimbonda and Richard Dunn have all featured. Now, bear this in mind when I say this list of players have never featured in any PFA Team of the Year or any Premier League Team of the Year that's voted for. Rayner, 
Essien, Bruce, King, Winterburn, Alonso, Makaleli, Zola, Overmars, Fowler, Modric, Decanio. None of them are featured. But Pascal Chimbonda has. The thing is that that probably doesn't sound that controversial when you see who did get in. I don't in, know. Instead. Instead. Like, I mean, it's Andy probably Johnson one of Johnson had that half good season the ones. <laughs> yeah. They said that Andy Johnson was getting tripped up and taking the penalties like uh, Milhojevic waits for <laughs> Zahar to get tripped up and takes the penalties and that's literally what he got in on account of. If we do it, then... Who was your striker? Aguero. Ah, okay. All right, so flop 11 keeper then. For me, I'm going De Gea. We've kind of outlined uh, why he's, if you compare him to his last season, it's been abysmal. He's cost United probably as many points as he's earned them, which is usually you say he's only kind of saved them points. Now we're at the time where he's costing them points. So he would be the flop of the year keeper for me. I, just to say, I, I didn't realise, I thought we were isolating it to like signings only right, as yeah. in flops, but uh, that opens up a little bit more. I'm going to be pretty harsh here. And I'm going to say Hugo Lloris. Um, he saved you the last couple of weeks. He has, but let's not forget, it, halfway through the season, it was, um, you know, we were talking, he was, he was having a really driving. bad season. <laughs> he, was, he was still living off the World Cup, really. Um, we won't forget the controversial nature of uh, what he did at the start of the season. Um, and I know it's not football, but part of what he represents, and he's the captain. And I think there have, have been. been stripped, really. I, I think I, I think he's going to get away with. Um, he's going to get away with. Hopefully, how we're going to finish this season. I think he, there were definitely. I reckon he has cost us at least. I reckon he's cost us at least something like 12, 12 to 20 points this season, which is a Jesus. massive... Uh, in terms of... In terms of I, I reckon there's been that... There's been at least three decisive mistakes which have turned into a loss, definitely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, you do have to... If... I was going to say, I think Alex is right in terms of because Larissa's form's picked up a bit, people have forgotten mm. that early in the season he was... Not as a liability, but people were kind of saying, "Well, get the um, mm. get the subkeeper in because he's a good whenever he's played." And Larice looks pretty much done. And this is and the thing that was standing for me is I think this was back when this was back when I think our defense was performing quite well until you know into before this was before this the massive chasm of where we completely dropped off and got back into battling for the top four rather than having a little go at the title. Uh, you know, he they, that was. I think he those mistakes were made when our back four was pretty solid, excluding Trippier. If if it if it's been kind of misconstrued prior, should we then limit it to um, like one per position? Then so we'll have a defender, a midfielder, a striker, and we've already got the keeper then of the yeah yeah flop, let's do that. and then let's do that. So we're running okay. out we're running out of, bit of time. So uh, defender wise, for for me, Mustafi is. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen any defending like it. <laughs> it has like, been stand once again. It has been standout in the last like that performance. No, it's been week. like since he signed. No, I, I know, but it is really. You, you it really shouldn't, came you into shouldn't the feel under threat from an opponent's goal kick. Oh, yeah. Three times this season, it's been one, and he's just had it bounce over his head, and mm. they've been in. Well, with 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 Mustafi, so <laughs> I, the one the one against uh, Zahar last weekend, I've never seen anything like that. 
Why are you trying to shield it when your keeper's on his line and you're at the mm. edge of the area? And he's not even shielding it. You're just standing there with your arms by your side, shimmying like you're in a fat boy slim video. Yeah, this <laughs> is this is going to slowly this potentially turn into a bit of a, like an anger anger course in terms of actually. I mean, I don't have any more to name after this, but so I, I can mention Kieran Trippier, and I would say that he's had better moments, like more, let's say, better consistency than Mustafi, or like his his worst has not been as bad as Mustafi. But you have to compare it in terms of the height that he was coming off the World Cup. I mean, some Spurs fans will argue that he was terrible before the World Cup and he just had a standout performance in the World Cup, kind of like Sissoko did for France in many respects. But um, but the I think he has... He's, and he can, he's still kind of getting away with it in some respects now, but I think he's been really bad this season. And it's also the lack of acknowledgement to how bad I think some elements of his game have been. Um, so it's, you know, it's I'd say... Um, like. Trippier for me. I think Trippier has been poor. Um, he's kind of lucky, I think, that there's actually three right-backs worse than him in the red half of North London. <laughs> it's quite commendable to Arsenal that you've managed to assemble Bellerin, Lichsteiner and Jenkinson. <laughs> that is quite a who's who Jenkinson's of shit right-backs. Nice he's a nice bloke, yeah. I, I don't like but... to talk about how bad it is because I just like it, it, it might it might bring it to an end. You know? <laughs> yeah, <And> yeah. <laughs> Leave it going unmentioned. Yeah, I think honourable mentions for Ashley Young. Um, Phil Jones is just going to be a regular in there, always going to be. Bailly looks has looked dreadful. Um, but yeah, I've I don't think I've ever seen a worse defender than Mustafi. So I've got... He, with a defender, normally, normally if they're very, very untalented, they're normally at least physically a brute. He's one of the most flimsy players on the pitch, never mind a centre-half. So I've got to have him. It's, for midfield, it, it's funny that Pogba's in the team of the year, yet he was the, he would be the captain of my flop, 11. <laughs> because, like, never... And it actually says a lot that it exceeds Ertzel. Never so much have you just heard about a player's ability compared to what they actually do on the pitch. He's tucked in a couple of penalties, and that's li- that's literally been it. He's constantly posting, and what we hear about is he's world class. I mean, there was he had two good games, and we were hearing this is what you're meant to see. He's world class. If you if you're world class, you Urzil sh- shows his world class more than Pogba shows his. Yeah, and I would get on to him later. So he he for me. It's all well and good hearing about it. If in that team, United has spent all that cash, he's the second highest paid player there, so he should be doing more. So I, I would agree. I think it was farcical that he was in the team of the year, uh, but I think the brief spell that he showed um, when um, Solskjaer that took was over... five games. I know, but it's enough It's enough to save him because more the two players... Ten, that I'm, the, still the two, yeah, the two players I'm about to mention. So I've got... I, I know, know we're only doing... Like, no, because Salah's had more than five good games. <laughs> nah. uh, no, anyway so me so uh, the I've got two players to mention um, if you had to twist my hand I'll probably pick the first one so Fred and Jorginho um, Fred uh, for me he was brought in so he's not the fastest not the te- most technically gifted he was brought in to toughen up that United squad rough it up a bit and I don't even think he's done that very well um, the when it comes to Jorginho I think so much he you know he passes the ball and does so little with that passing. It is, you know, he he's. It's almost like having a sword, which is completely blunt in feel, many respects. Do you feel like we all turned on him at once? Because like for the first like Who's say Jorginho, uh, Jorginho, sorry, because for the first like couple of months, 
we we were all saying how good he was. Yeah. And then it seemed to be, I think it was the game against uh, City, maybe. They had a couple of bad games, Chelsea, and then suddenly it was, they lost to Arsenal. It was, he actually doesn't, he doesn't shoot. He just passes <laughs> backwards and sideways. Like, yeah. Well, it was kind of like people realised that um, it was. It, it doesn't actually. It doesn't actually take that Chelsea's football. It doesn't take the team forward in any many respects. I, th- I think there was a shift in him as well. I think at the start of the season he did play balls from deep into attacking positions that made Chelsea a good passing team. And whether it be confidence or what, he ended up becoming right angle right and just passing it left to right or backwards. Giroud. Mate, but then had that Giroud has they a partnership and he was playing in the balls in the deep. He was that yeah, target man. Yeah. Take Giroud away and that whole system breaks I, down. I don't know why he changed it. So I, I think that probably did play a part. It's, it's hard to know. Jorginho was someone who I'd considered. It's hard to know if he's the symptom or the disease, really. It's, it's hard to know. But I think with Pogba, it's, he is a unique player in terms of for that, what was it, like eight or nine game spell that they were on that run. He was formidable and he was outstanding. But the fact he wasn't able to maintain that means he can't be in a PFA player of the year. And the last few games have been bad enough that I could get him in my flop team. But I can't ignore there was some good in there as well. So I will go with Fred purely because he is not of the required level. He, I said before, he's maximum effort, zero ability. I don't know who in the United Scouting Department has looked at him as a £52 million player. You play for someone who is going to put effort in, but it just isn't good enough. And I think that's kind of shown itself so far. Alright, so when I had it, I had a 4-3-3-1 as I did before and I had it limited to Alexis, Ertzel and Mares as my three in front of that. Oh, God. Like Mares, I I think it might be the worst 60 million ever spent. Yeah. Like, it, I think they're literally paying him just to justify, they're playing him just to justify the, the cash spent. Um, of those three, though, Ertzel, I mean, he was ill again this weekend. <laughs> to not play he's ill every time we have to play away he tweaks them every other time you get pay- get you get paid almost double the amount of anyone else at Arsenal look you got you got to be doing more than he is so uh, I've been quite easy on him there but he's head and shoulders above anyone else in that kind of position for in terms of a flop Um. yeah I've I think Mahrez at least had a couple of games earlier in the season where he was either starting or coming off the bench where I thought he's had an impact to say he's done right. Whereas Ozil has been dreadful, but I've I've got have Sanchez in it. I think he is the most monumental waste of money ever. And he, I, I saw someone the other day making a case where I thought he was kind of being a bit clickbait with it, the journalist. But, but yeah, I thought the journalist, journalist said he thought he'd be the worst sort of financial transaction United ever had. Which I thought in the same summer as you had Fred is, is quite a statement. But he was saying that the shit, the amount of wages he's on has meant everybody else at the club is now either unhappy or wants that money. So therefore, they're either going to have to pay players who don't deserve the level of wages they're getting or they're going to have to flog them. He's on two million a month. Yeah, two million a month to not play and when he does play, look absolutely dreadful and not interested either. He has been awful well, th- this is the thing as well it's like you you compare the drop in performance to that of let's say when Falcon eventually made his way to the Premier League except Sanchez doesn't have the excuse of a career changing injury yeah at least you can reduce it to that whereas I think we said with Sanchez at the time he signed for Arsenal he's, like, he's out of form he doesn't want to do it but we said he's kind of as close to a, a guarantee as you can get but he looked I don't know whether he's just shot to pieces in our because he did have some injuries at the end of his Arsenal spell 
I don't know, but he just looked absolutely awful. I, I've never seen anything quite like it. I don't think it's at least even Torres was over a more prolonged period than this. This is dreadful. Yeah, striker for me would be Higuain. I was against him when they signed him. I I think spending fifty on Callum Wilson would have been a better move compared to paying the wages they're doing for two years on him. He's offside more than Walcott was. He's offside more than Aubameyang is, which is mental. And, I mean, he's going to get you a goal every now and then because he's got certain instincts, but he's not what Chelsea brought in. He's not what they were hoping for. No, but the only thing is I don't think anything he's done has shocked me too much in terms of being offside, not looking the fittest, but definitely having a goal in him. is probably what it was on the tin for me when they signed him. Maybe, I don't know if they didn't get the memo. Uh, but... So I've watched games with him before. I thought he actually looks quite sharp and people have slated him. And We get him in the goal-scoring opportunity. He's not the most clinical finish, but he has got a goal in him. So I'm a little bit reluctant to kind of jump on the background and slate him too much, but he, he hasn't been a great signing. And I've also got Lukaku in there. <laughs> he, isn't, he does have some good games. Again, I think he's someone who gets maybe a little bit unfairly treated at times. But when the going gets tough, he doesn't seem to want to, want to know for United and... When it is bad for them, everything seems to go wrong for him. You saw the things about his fitness the other day. He wasn't fit enough to get in the box to get a goal. I think his Luke, touch is d- dreadful. I think Lukaku's gift is that there are other players around him which are being talked about more. Yeah. That's the he, only reason that he's not an he? easy so, shoe-in for this. I think he could well be my pick for it. Um, I, I've got Higuain. <laughs> like, I don't really need to say too much more. <laughs> It's terrible, <laughs> <laughs> but there's an, I'm giggling we as I say it because with Giroud. yeah, yeah, it, it just it cracks me up because it's just like that. I think they it added Tammy Abraham back. Yeah, it, it added to that spiral which Chelsea seemed to be well on a little bit to a certain extent. Um, we haven't really met. We've mentioned only sort of top six players, top six side players. Um, I mean, lest we forget the signings that Fulham had at the start of the season, <laughs> and we thought the level of impact that they would have on that squad. I mean, we were talking about them finishing. Like the one of the first teams just outside the top six yeah. with potential, and we haven't mentioned any of them, and I think that's because they were done so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it, striker wise, Cardiff didn't have a great January either, did they? Christ, Jesus! <laughs> All right, just uh, finally, then before we close out, just want to get this off my chest <laughs> Arsenal, nine goals conceded in a week, three losses. <laughs> oh, God. Tell us how you really no. feel. <laughs> so this this week alone, I'll spend 140 quid going to watch Arsenal in European semi-final against Valencia to compete to get in the Champions League, to likely go through in the group stage and then lose in uh, the last 16. Play Brighton at home, probably scrape past and then lose to Burnley away next week or uh, Leicester at the week, uh, Leicester the following uh, Wednesday night. It's just pathetic. I went through the squad and I thought, is it as bad as I think it is as to who I would keep and who I would get rid of? I'd get rid of Czech, Bellerin, Lichsteiner, Chambers, Ospina, Asano, Monreal, Mustafi, Jenkinson, Alneni, Mikatarian, Ramsey's gone, Ertzil, Dennis Suarez, Shaka, and Iwobi. Look, Lichsteiner, the slowest player I've ever seen. He makes me feel quick watching him. Check, thank God he's gone. I hope they don't play him in the Europa League because what is the point in giving him this sentimental value? He's going to Chelsea as soon as the season ends to be a coach there. What is the point? Takuma Asano, we spent 16 million on when you think of our transfer uh, policy. He's never played a game. He's been loaned the last three years and he's scored two goals. He's a striker. <laughs> Montreal, legs are done. Look, I'm all for being sentimental, but it's, it's a football club, not a nursing home. 
<laughs> ridiculous that if they give him another contract. Jenkinson, nice bloke. He's got an Arsenal bedroom, but that's not getting you a new contract, I'm afraid. Mustafi, I've said just about all I need to say on Ertzil. The position we're in, you can't afford to have passengers, and for all of what he's for all of what he's good for, it's not good enough. I mean, the last couple of weeks, Aubameyang, I've I've kind of held my tongue on some things he's done previously in the season. If if you're not going to do anything, at least run. Look, if your 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 main thing, if you take everything out, your main selling point is your speed. When when you're getting outpaced by um, some of these Palace defenders who are about forty years old, then you're not putting the effort in because you're more than fast enough. You can't use the excuse to say you're not getting chances because you look at some of the other players. Alexis, I would say, uh, Abamyang's a better finisher. He was scoring more than um, Abamyang because he put himself about. So, just got to got to the point when you look when I look at the players I'd keep. Leno Leno's good. He's he can't he can't really deal with like high crosses. He seems to have an issue with Socrates. Really like him. He's has ha, I say one in every five or six. He's gonna have a nightmare. It looks like it looks like when his legs start to go in uh, when he's played a, two games in a week, then that's when he has the issue. Maitland Niles had a howler um, the last couple of games, but he's been played out of position. He's twenty two years old. I can't be too harsh. It will be look. If you look at he's he's um he's older than Sane, oh, so why are we being told to wait and have patience for him? I've said before it looks like one person controlling his one leg, and then there's a kid controlling the other. He gets into the box and like there's there's clips of Arsenal players laughing at him when he gets into the box. It's that bad. But what if one day it all works? Then he's he's made it, he's nicked a living off being JJ Koch's nephew. What if? But what if? George look, look what if he's the answer? You just got to give him a I'm chance. Not, I'm not going to turn on Emery. I gave it a while before I turned on Wenger, and even the and that was when it got untenable. Look, he had a season before where he didn't win a single game at Sevilla away from home, so we probably knew what we were getting ourselves into with our away form, and that's what needs to be addressed. And it's not a case of quality. It's a case of attitude because if we can play Watford, we can be one nil up. They can have ten men and they can dominate the ball. That's that's not an ability thing. That's a general footballing understanding. And when players are being beaten from goal kicks, you you, you learn that. You get goal side and then you, you track your man. You don't stop and put your hand in the air because bloke's giving you a little shove. Just sick of it. I looked at the schedule a couple of weeks back. We had the easiest run in and I did say, look, they're all away from home. It's, then they gave us a bit of a boost by winning away at Watford and Napoli. And I thought, all right, maybe there's something going on. Same as always. Look, the, the, the issue isn't ability. The issue is mentality. And until that gets sorted out, it's not going to happen. 40 million a summer isn't going to sort it. So I'll look forward to probably getting in a flashy winger in the, sum, <laughs> in the summer. We'll bring Callum Chambers back. Rob Holden will be back fit again. They'll say that's going to sort it. And we'll do the same again next year and then rinse and repeat. Yeah, I, f- I think similar thing I thought with United. I think they got a clean house over the summer. I was, I was looking at similar situation to you, struggling to think of players who I absolutely would have to keep. I think there's a, a select few there. I think there's probably even less I'd say that about at United. But again, with both of them, we said before, quality-wise and strength and depth, I think United have got everything you could want, but don't seem to have the right attitude, the right character. I think the same with Arsenal. You've got plenty of technical ability and attacking prowess and there's plenty of talent, but yeah, getting defenders in or whatever isn't something that's new. It probably do, but as the whole team, 
needs to rethink his attitude. And at times, I think he's been able to get it out of him this season, and I think he's shown enough signs that he's got the right idea, but he's got a big job on over the summer. It's, it says a lot that about Mkhitaryan that I'd actually uh, keep Welbeck and give him a new contract. <laughs> Just really quickly before we go, if I get a score prediction for each of the Champions League first legs before we get back into it next week. Um, Spurs at home to Ajax, Liverpool away at Barcelona. Alex, just just, just a quick score. Uh, I'm going to go with 0-0. Which, um, which one? What, uh, what Tottenham, uh, Tottenham Ajax and 0-0. Um, I, I just want to say quickly, originally I was really happy with the home leg first, but the fact that we've got virtually no attack force um, to go... I. I'd almost take a gritty park the bus away nil nil in the first leg. It and says a lot about the research that Charlie Nicholas says that Sun's going to nick a winner to bring into the away leg, <laughs> despite him being suspended. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go nil nil for uh, Tottenham Ajax. Um, and is it? Uh, is that Barca first? Is that Barca? I'm going to go. I'm going to go three two Barca. Because I think it's going to be quite an entertaining game. I'm going to go two one. Barca, and then I'm going to say 2-0 Spurs. Who gets the goals? Ericsson and Ali. I think Spurs and Ice is 0-0. I think Spurs should be happy with that. I think if they keep them out of that first leg, I think they're fine. I think that's it's all on that. Um, I think Liverpool, if Firmino's fully fit, I think Liverpool versus Barca is pump or be pumped. I honestly think it's going to go one or the other. In terms, I watch them. If they have that first ten minutes like they had against United, and that's leg at the new camp, Liverpool will pump them because you can't get away with that. And you can't. They did two cardinal scenes you can't do against Liverpool: is leave space in behind and give the ball away in sloppy areas in their own half. Liverpool will punish you for that. You have to assume Barca will be a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, are they a team that's going to adjust to Liverpool? Probably not. They're going to do what they do and see what happens. If, so as I said, if Firmino's fully fit or very, very close to it, I think Liverpool will get a job done. If he's not, if we have to play Sturridge, the whole thing I think falls in on itself because he can't press like we normally do. Or if Firmino's not fully fit, we can't either. So on the assumption that he's not, he'll probably play, but maybe isn't fully on it. I think I think Liverpool will get a draw. I think that's a good result. I think maybe one all I'll go with. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As always, if you could check out the additional content at www.spitballingpod.com. If you could give us a like, share, repost on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes and all that business. Thank you.